want to give you a, a beginning of a message uh, of a series this morning. That's really, I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me that this is what I want you to do this year. Every year, I, since I can remember, I think it's, we started since year one, we did a series called First. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Every January, you expect us to do this series called First. And we've done it every year. And we usually talk about what should come first. What should you give God first? What should be first in your life? And we talk about all kinds of things, you know, in that series of the first things. And, you know, tithing, like giving to God, right? The law of reciprocity, right? You, you will reap what you sow. How many of you believe in that? You need to give, and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know, and so this is, we believe this with all of our hearts. This is the word of the Lord, amen? I know a lot of people that want God to, to bless them and do things in their lives, but they don't want to follow the word of the Lord. And so the first, first you need to give. There's a lot of contingency scriptures in the word of God, right? One of the greatest ones is 2 Chronicles 7.14, and you all can quote it. If my people who are called by my name will and, and, and yes, then, I, then God says, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. How many of you know that scripture really well? All right, that is one of those scriptures, okay? God is saying, if you will do this, then I will do that. Amen? How many want the that in their lives? Yes. Come on, God. Right? I, I don't know about you, but I'm looking around going, our land needs healing. Amen? But we got to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Okay? Church, man, this is not even the message, but the Holy Spirit's leading, so I'm going here. Church, we need to turn from our wicked ways. You go, we're the church. Yeah, we need to turn from our wicked ways. Because if you think that you've already got it all figured out and you already are, are there, you've reached the goal, you've reached, then you are mistaken. And you're in, a, you're in a, a perfect place for the enemy to use you and deceive you. You are. And we've all been used by the enemy in that way. The enemy has deceived all of us in that way. If you're standing in here or sitting in here and you're saying, man, I've never had pride in my life, well, then you, you're deceived. We've all had pride in our lives in some way or another. Amen? I'll say, man, there was a time in my, in my life, and I'm not saying it doesn't come and go occasionally. I'm not saying I don't have to deal with it anymore. I still have to deal with that. I still have to recognize that as Holy Spirit brings it to my attention and deal with it. But I'm saying there was a time I can remember in my life, man, it was strong. And I, I, I thought it was ambition and confidence and, and all of that. And those are great things. It's okay to be confident and it's okay to be ambitious. But when it turns to selfish ambition, right, and confidence in self, then that's pride. Because I can do nothing apart from Christ. Amen? Nothing. Come on, everybody say nothing. I can do nothing without him. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we just need to understand that when we're reading those scriptures and we know the Lord's saying, man, if you'll do this, if you'll humble yourself, 
you'll turn from your wicked ways, you'll seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we all say this today, Father, forgive us of our wicked ways. Forgive us of the unrighteousness that may be in our hearts in some places, Lord, that we've not allowed you to touch. And this morning, Father, I say, and I pray that everyone here says with me, I'm open, Lord, for you to examine my heart. Show me any wickedness that might be there, any unrighteousness. Reveal it, Lord, and get it out, root it out. Help me turn from it, Father. Help me turn from that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's get into this. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon for me to have a moment where I am totally caught off guard and surprised by something that has come my way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? After the initial shock has worn off, I typically think, now, I wonder how that happened. I wonder how we got here. And after that thought leaves, I move forward in trying to figure out the whys and the hows so that I will see it coming the next time. Now, this is common logic, and many of us think in a similar fashion. We're trained early in life to, to, to think logically, right? We know that A plus B should equal C, or, well, or 1 plus 2 should equal 3, or whatever, Right? But in reality, there are many things that we encounter that cannot be understood logically. These things cause us to think in different ways. These things do something to us. They, they cause us to think outside the box. This weekend, I want you to think outside the box. Today, I want you to think outside the box. I want you to consider some th new thoughts and open your mind to some new possibilities. And you might be saying, okay, well, well what are you talking about right now? Because open your mind sounds a little whatever out there, new age, whatever you want to say. You know what? I am so sick of the enemy stealing what God created. Okay? I'm so sick of the enemy hijacking what God created. There would be no supernatural without God. Amen? So, Let's reclaim what God created. So when I say open your mind, I say open your mind to the thoughts of God. Open your mind to his ways, to his power, to his authority, to his understanding. Many of us have a tendency to put God in a box. We have a tendency to do this and we define his space and we limit his activity by doing this. When we do this, we're reducing God down to our understanding, to our limited knowledge and understanding of his word and who he is. In life, there's a natural tendency to allow things which are special and beautiful to drift to the extent of becoming tarnished and ordinary. Things become so commonplace that they lose their significance the supernatural becomes natural, the extraordinary becomes ordinary, the unique common, and the holy becomes profane. 
There's a natural tendency in all of us to reduce God and make him into something that we can comprehend. When we do this, we profane not only his name, but his nature. We strip him of his wonder, his majesty, his splendor, and his magnificence. So this month, we begin a new series called, We Are Family. We Are Family Now, or, We Are Family. I got all my brothers and sisters with me. Yeah. No? I, I, could, I was going to play the theme song, but, but YouTube would shut us down because of copyright issues. So I couldn't play the theme song. So everybody sing with me. We are family. Got to change it. I got all my brothers and sisters with me. Yeah. All right. You guys are pretty good. On cue. We're going to talk about the family of God this month. We are family. First um, John. Uh, John, I'm sorry, not 1 John. John, John, the book of John, chapter 1. It's John 1. Go to, go to John 1. Very amazing, powerful scripture. Ready? John 1, 1. Here it is. Hold on. Got to get my other eyeballs on. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Now watch this. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Amen. This scripture, honestly, is so deep. It's so deep. We miss so much in here. We need to understand and see how glorious, how wonderful, how majestic God is. We need to get a glimpse of him again in his wonder, in his majesty, in his splendor. He is a great, big, amazing God. Amen? He is so amazing. He is mind-blowing. And guess what? He's so amazing that you can't grasp it. And I'm telling you, he's so amazing and so awesome and so mind-blowing that you should be, your, our minds should be blown every day when we wake up. But we, again, we reduce God down. And we let the cares of this life and the anxieties and the things that the enemy has brought upon us, we let it, we let it diminish who God really is and the wonder of him. I just want you to do this for a second. Take your hands and look at them. Like this. Just look at your hands. Now, here's the thing that's amazing about your hands. Look at them. There's no two hands like this on the entire planet. Did you know that? None. Rick, no, your hands are unique. There's nobody on the entire planet, never has been and never will be, that has two hands like yours. Did y'all know that? It's true. Absolutely unique. Okay? You go, well, I mean, there's nobody that has these lines and these lines and these lines. No, 
No. Identically? No. You are one of a kind. And that's just your hands. We can do that with our whole body. We can do that with the cells that God created, that he put in us. They're, they're unique. You have a DNA that's unique. Amen? Am I wrong? Okay, good. Any science majors in here or anything? Okay. No, it's true. It's, it's the word of God. And God created that. He did that. We can't, we can't figure that out. There's no way. But here's the thing. It's hard for us to imagine life before this world. It's, it's hard for us to do that. We, we live as though this world has always been and it, and it always will be. But that's just not the case. There was a beginning. Amen? There was a beginning, and it wasn't a big bang. It was a declaration or a shout. Amen? This world did not begin by a bang. The Bible tells us that God said, let there be, and whatever he said happened. Whatever he said. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God did that. He spoke and it happened. Amen? And we are amazed at his creation. We see the beautiful mountains and the sea. We see all of those things. I mean, how many of you have just sat there and looked at God's creation and just in awe? Just like, this is amazing. You know, the beauty of it. Here's the thing. Have, anybody, have, have any of you ever sat there and looked at God's creation and going, wow, this is just amazing? It, you know, it's just amazing. It's just beautiful. But then did you ever have this thought, wow, and this is so beautiful, and this is after the fall? Did you ever think that? Can you imagine what the Garden of Eden was like? I mean, it had to be mind-blowing. Because nothing was corrupted. Nothing. Right? And, and if you don't get that, and, and I'm not trying to take too long in this, but I just want you to, to lay this foundation so you grasp hold of what, what God's leading us, how he's leading us here. But if you don't get that, we could just talk about our food right now. How many of you know our food is killing us? Yeah? It's killing us, right? And I'm not talking about what I always talk about, just eating Twinkies all the time, all right? I'm not talking about that, all right? You know I was going to throw Twinkies in here somewhere. I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is, is we've done this thing called green harvesting, okay? And I'll just use tomatoes for an example. Everybody knows this. So tomatoes, they green harvest tomatoes, and they, and they, and then they gas them on the way to the grocery stores, and then so that when they get there, they're red. How many of you ever picked up a red tomato, but it felt hard as a rock, right? How many of you have ever had a garden, grew your own tomatoes? Raise your hand. How many of you know when you pick that tomato off that vine, when it's nice and red and ripe, it's soft? It's not hard as a rock, right? Paula, you got gardens. I know you, I know you do. You give me some of your stuff, right? Soft. And guess what? When you cut it open, it's fragrant. You ever cut a tomato open from the grocery store, a nice ripe red tomato, but it has no smell at all? Did you know that on the ripe, in, during the ripening stage on the vine is when the majority of the nutrients go into the tomato? True. So if we pick it before that happens, then what's happening to our food? It's not good. It's not, it's not 
what it's supposed to be for our bodies, right? So instead, I, I know this is taking me longer than this, not even in my notes, but I feel the Lord here. But so what's happening is we do that and we eat that. It's not what God intended. And then to replace what we're not getting from the tomato, we go and buy vitamins that are synthetic and we put those in our body to put the nutrients in there that we weren't getting from the tomato. Or how about the fact that we don't let the land rest? Hello? God said let the land rest. Every seven years, let it rest. Just like the Sabbath day. We have to have a day of rest every week. If you're not observing the Sabbath, you're not taking a day of rest. You're just work, 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 work. I don't care if you got to get it done. You know, Jesus said this. He said, you know, if your ox falls in the ditch, you got to get it out. Right? Yes. But if your ox is in the ditch every weekend, then you got a problem. Right? Like, repair the fence or something. we got to have rest. How many can testify to that? I've done the, the gig where I just went, 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 and then I collapsed. Because there's a point your body just says, I can't take it anymore. And God didn't design us to operate that way. you got to have a day of rest, so the land has to have a, a, a year of rest. And, and when it gets the year of rest, then something happens to the land where it can produce what it needs to produce, the nutrients for the food, and so on. And, and so you look like you're getting bored with that. Okay, so I'm going to move on. Um, so God's creation is beautiful, and he created it to be that way. And we behold the wonder of the world, and we realize that, here's the thing, we realize we're only a small part of it. When we look at the world and we really understand the, the complexity of it, then we realize we're only a small part of it. We're just one, we are just one of eight billion people on this planet. Yeah, that's what I heard recently, that we just crossed the eight billion mark. Eight billion people. Did you, eight billion is a big number. Anybody know that? It's a big number. Um, somebody say it sounds big. It is big. One billion is 1,000 million. Am I right? Phil, am I right on that? Thank you. Okay, Phil, the mathematician. I'm right. 1,000 million. 1,000 billion is a trillion. Right, Phil? Okay, thank you. Okay, just checking. Just checking. Got a lot of educators in here. Um, did you know that if you walked 8 billion steps that you would walk around the earth 170 times? Yeah. At a pace of two steps per second, it would take you 120 years to do that. So try tracking that with your Fitbit. <laughs> Good luck. Start now. Go. Um, but did you know that if all 8 billion people, now listen to this. I just gave you that statistic, right? Look at this. If, do you know that if all 8 billion people of Earth were standing side by side, given one square meter each, the space taken up would only be 3,160 square miles about the size of Delaware or smaller than the thumb of Michigan. Yeah, right? Check my math, Phil. I hope it's right. Um, really, think about that. Does that blow your mind or what? It blew my mind. Huh? All 8 billion people given one square meter, which is about like this, 
Standing inside of that, we wouldn't even fill up the entire thumb of Michigan. I thought that was crazy, right? So basically, all 8 billion people could live in the United States. That just means Montana is no longer deserted. Okay, listen to this. A light year is, is 5.88 trillion miles. Okay, one light year, 5.88 trillion miles. All right? Our galaxy, the Milky Way, is 100,000 light years in diameter. Did you all hear that? Say, so one billion is 1,000 million. One trillion is 1,000 billion. A light year is 5.88 trillion miles. And our galaxy is 100,000 trillion. Uh, 100,000, I'm sorry, light years in diameter. That's crazy to me. That blows my mind. And, and here's the thing about it. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, is just one of billions of galaxies in the cosmos. Come on, y'all. And our God created all that when he spoke. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this today. I'm trying to show you something here today that this great big God that we love and who loves us more than we could ever love him, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, this great big wonderful God who sent his son to die for you and you and you, and if you were the only one on the earth, he still would have sent his son to die for you. This great big God, he spoke and all this came into existence at his speaking. And he called you to be part of his family. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. If, if nothing else goes right in my life, thank you, Jesus. I'm just part of your family. I don't care. Right? I get to be with him for eternity. Any of you thankful for that? Come on, for eternity. We... We put so much emphasis on the little insignificant things that happen here on this earth. We get so bent out of shape at the little tiny things that happen here. We all do it. We all do it. And what I'm trying to do this month is just give us a little bit of perspective of the family that we're a part of. Who God called us to be. Amen? Oh. So God spoke, and all of this came into being. And here's the thing about it. The scriptures say that he holds it all together. He, he, he's big enough to speak it, so he's big enough to hold it together. Amen? Because if you think, well, yeah, well, that seems like a lot. That seems like a lot for God to hold together. I mean, with all those billions of galaxies, then, and he's going to care about my little tiny life here on this earth? Yes, he does. In fact, he cares so much that he came to live inside you. He came and said, I'm going to be personal with you. I'm going to live in you. I care that much about you. Of all the places God could live, he chose us. Colossians 1.16 says, For through him God created everything in the heaven, heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him 
and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Yes. David described it this way in Psalm 19, verse 1. He said, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Isn't that true? There's a scripture that says, if my people won't, won't praise me, the very rocks will cry out to me. How many of you know that? The creation, God's creation cries out to him day and night. God's creation is singing to him. Hmm. Creation tells about the wonders of God. Job chapter 9, verse 8 says, He alone spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. He made all the stars, the bear and the orion, the Pleiades, and the constellation of the southern sky. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Countless miracles. He is awesome in creation. But that's not all. Consider his miracles. Consider what God does in his miracles. How many of you will testify and say, I've seen a miracle in my life of some sort, anybody? Look at the hands. Look how many miracles. Come on, raise them up high. This is a testimony. You saw a miracle in your life. You knew it was God. There's no other way it could have happened. God did it, amen? God did it. I remember, I'm, a, I'm just going to stop and tell this, and I'm going to get to the point. I only have one point today, and I haven't even gotten there yet, so we're getting there, okay? I remember when Danielle was, uh, when Kim was pregnant with Danielle, and um, um, by the way, pray for Kim today. She's home, woke up, eye swollen, almost shut, eye infection, something, we don't know. So we're, you know, uh, but I know we took authority, all those infirmities today, right? Um, Kim was pregnant with Danielle. We were living in Jackson, Tennessee, and uh, in a little duplex there. I was a new manager at a restaurant, and and uh, you know life was moving fast. And and you, if you've got newborns or young kids, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I was, she was. Uh, Danielle was still a few weeks away from coming, and um, and all of a sudden we woke up, and the the bed was full of blood and uh, and I thought her water had broken and then when I pulled the covers back I realized and she had had pains the night before you know Daniel was a has always been an ornery child even in the womb (laughs) (laughs) I love that girl love that girl but she was uh, acting up that night (laughs) so the next morning yeah and wow, what a shock, right? And, and so I would like to say I calmly got out of bed and prayed and asked the Lord to help, but I, it wasn't calm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have those moments? It wasn't calm. And I was crying out to God, and I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. And... Um, and so we, we got to the hospital, and she had had a, an abruption, that's what they call it, call it a partial abruption, and it was, um, and then they said, if, if, if you don't start to deliver, if we, if we, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do an C- emergency C-section, and they had put a probe in Danielle's head to, to monitor her, 
heartbeat and everything. And, um, and so anyway, we were praying, and we had a lot of people praying with us. And uh, within 45 minutes, Danielle was delivered, naturally delivered. And yeah, so, so she's a miracle. You know, she's a miracle, yeah. An absolute miracle. And here's the, here's the thing about it, here's the miracle of it, is once they did that and they, once they delivered the placenta and everything, they, they found out it was a 20% abruption. And they said that most people don't, either the mother or the child, don't make it through that, okay? And, and, and in many cases, both of them die. But God, right? Uh, now my man why do I get so emotional when I talk about this but now my daughter Danielle is an ordained minister and on staff here at this church and, and just an amazing gift of God does amazing things with our kids amen teaches them about the about the miracles of God and um, so after we got home with Danielle and all of that we uh, had a friend I had a friend who I hadn't talked to in years and he lived in Atlanta. We were in Jackson, Tennessee. He lived in Atlanta. And he called us uh, the next day. And he said, hey, uh, no, I'm sorry. It was like two weeks later. And he said, hey, two weeks ago, when he said the day, he said, the Lord had me up all night long. And he said, and I don't know what's going on. He didn't even know we were pregnant. He didn't know anything. I hadn't talked to him in years. He said, had me up all night long praying for you guys. And all I saw was a bed full of blood. And the Lord had me up all night praying for you and interceding for you. And man, I know that was the hand of the Lord. Oh, you know, the enemy, this is how amazing you are. Look at somebody say, you're amazing. This is how amazing you are. Listen to me. Everybody listen to me. If the enemy could have killed you in your mother's womb, he would have done it. This is how amazing you are. He knows the plans that God has for you. He knows. He knows what God wants to do with you. He knows what God can do with you. He tried to kill me many times because he knew I'd be standing here today proclaiming the goodness of God, proclaiming the wonders of God, proclaiming the miracles of God. He knew that I wouldn't give up. Once God got a hold of me, I would not quit. Because God put something in me that only could come from him that would be this determination to fight for the kingdom of God, to fight for the truth of his word, to stand on holy ground and proclaim he is a holy God. So the enemy wants to take you out. The Bible tells us that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly. And Ruth, it doesn't matter what your age is. That life is right now. That abundant life is right now. That calling is right now. Jerry, that calling is right now. Mm. Hebrews 11.32 says this. How much more do I need to say? I love this scripture. <laughs> I love this scripture. How much, like, 
How much more do I need to say? Like right now, I'm telling you, how much more do I need to say? Can I just walk off of here and you get this? Has it hit home yet? How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God has promised them. They shut the mouths of lions and they quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put armies, whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. (laughs) How much more do I need to say? This God of wonders, this amazing God that we serve, who spoke this all into existence, you don't think he's going to take care of you? He will take care of you. He will fulfill his promise to you. He's a God of wonders. He's holy and he's set apart. So, how should we respond to this God of wonders? How should we respond? What should we do? I got one point today. Become like a child again. How do we respond? Become like a child again. Look at somebody and say, you need to be a child again. Now, I don't mean going and telling childish jokes or taking a Sharpie and marking all over the wall. Anybody ever have that happen? Huh? One of our grandkids just did that to one of our other children's homes, and I laughed. I did. I laughed out loud. I said, have fun with that. They're like, one of my daughters like, Dad, I'm like, you did it to us. It's like, paybacks. I've been praying for this for years. Y'all know you do it too. One of your grandkids acts a certain way and says, served you right. You were the same way. All right, become like a child again. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 1 through 4 says this. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and put, him, uh, put the child among them. And then he said, this is Jesus, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. Hmm. Let me give you another scripture, Luke 18, verse 15. One day some parents brought little children to Jesus so that he could touch them and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, They scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children. He said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Woo. Come on, somebody say woo. I mean, thank you. You guys don't have to repeat me just because I say it. 
But thank you for doing that, I mean. Some of you are like, I'm not saying woo. That's stupid. Okay, anyway. I say woo, when I read scriptures like this, it's like it hits me. This is Jesus speaking, okay? And this is him saying, watch what he says. Let the children come to me. The, the, the adults were scolding the children. Hmm, come on, y'all. The adults had more important matters. The adults were talking right now. Shh, 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 go sit down, shh. The adults are talking. The adults have more important matters to deal with in their minds. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, watch this. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Now, oh man, there's so much to unpack in these scriptures and in this one in particular. But, but I, I can't do it because it would take all day. So hopefully over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to unpack some of this. Okay? But, but here's the thing. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? What does that mean? Because this is what Jesus is saying. Unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never enter it. Okay? So what does that mean? Well, it involves a lot. There's a lot there. Okay? So you could, re you could talk about the faith of a child. Anybody ever heard of that before? The faith of a child, right? The humility of a child, which... He says that in here. The trust of a child, the innocence of a child. There's so much in there that we can talk about, about receiving the kingdom in these ways, all right? But I want to zero in on one childlike thing, one thing, okay, that children do that many of us as adults have lost. You ready? Childlike wonder. Childlike wonder. I believe one of the things that Jesus is talking about, about receiving the kingdom of of God like a child, I believe it talks about the wonder, okay, of a child. Um, has it ever occurred to you that God gave us our imagination? Anybody ever occurred to you? Just shake your head like this if it's occurred to you. He did. If God created you, God gave you that imagination, okay? But has it also occurred to you that Satan has hijacked our imaginations? Hmm? Yeah, he has. Our imagination is a God-given gift. If you don't know it, read it in Scripture. I'm going to show you some today. It's a God-given gift. It gives us the ability to create new ideas or images beyond what we have seen. Mankind, think about this, mankind's first task required great imagination. Did you know that? His very first task required great imagination. God said to Adam, he said, name all the animals. Didn't he? Yes, he did. That required imagination. Right? Can you imagine having to come up with names for all the animals? The birds, everything? Anybody? Can you imagine that? I mean, could you, right? He had to have a great imagination to come up with all of these names. I mean, when you see some of the animals' names, you know Adam was getting tired. He was down toward the end. It's like platypus. I don't know. I, don't, I can't think of one. Somebody give me a good one. He was just thinking of it. Huh? Cat? 
Oh. Is it? See, I didn't even know. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it required an imagination to do that, okay? When we were children, we could imagine so much, couldn't we? We were children, we could... Uh, when we were children, we didn't need PlayStations. At least when I was a child. I did, this was my PlayStation. That's it. I'd ask mom and dad for a PlayStation, they said, go get a stick. When we were children, we could imagine so much as children, right? This stick, this, is, this wasn't a stick when I was a kid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh-uh. No way. This was a sword. And I was the king. And I was an expert swordsman. Or this was a, ha, I'm going to take down a big buck. Right? Or it could have been a, an oar. Because I'm, I'm, I'm crossing the ocean. You know? Can you imagine rowing across the ocean like this? But as a kid, you could do it. Right? Because I didn't, I didn't have oh, the weight of the world, the cares of this life, and the enemy beating me down and telling me, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. In my mind, man, I'm crossing the ocean, and I'm going to get there. And when, I'm gonna, when I get there, I'm going to discover new lands and new things that people haven't seen before. Right? Or, or when I was a kid, this was a, you know, because I, I was a war hero and I got wounded in war. Right? Or this was a... Because I was a rock star. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? We had an imagination, a God-given imagination that he put inside of us. And he never wanted it to leave. He never wanted it to be squashed. You know, we heard things when we were kids like, you need to grow up. Oh, come on, y'all. That's the worst thing you could ever say to somebody. You need to grow up. Because the enemy jumps on that kind of stuff. And what he, goes, what he does is he lies to us and tells us, see, that silliness needs to go. You need to get your head out of the clouds and you need to come back down to earth and you need to realize you've got to grow up and, and, and life's going to be hard. And so the enemy steals our imagination. He hijacks it. Now, he doesn't throw it away. Listen to me. The enemy doesn't throw it away. A lot of people think, well, the enemy hijacks our imagination so he can squash it and get rid of it. No, he doesn't want to get rid of it. He wants to pervert it and use it for his work. And I'm going to show you how he does it. See, we become an adult. We become an adult, and, 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 and all of a sudden, this is just a stick. And by the way, it's in my yard, neighbor, and it fell out of your tree. Right? Think about that for a second. You got kids. Your kids don't care what tree that stick fell out of. Right? Unless you're making them pick it up. That's, you know, they pick up all the sticks in there. They don't care. They, that's a, when we were kids, we were able to imagine 
all these wonderful things. Okay? So the enemy hijacks our imagination. When we were kids, even if we didn't, weren't raised in a Christian home, we had this belief that we could do anything. How many know what I'm talking about? Like you believe, man, I, I can just do anything. I can grow up, I can do anything. Right? I'm, I'm looking at you. I can be an Olympian. Right? I can run the fastest times. I can stand on that podium with gold medal. You know what I'm talking about, Brandon? Yeah, right? I can do anything. The enemy hijacks our imagination. See, because there's a word, there's a scripture in the word of God that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's his word. That's his truth. That doesn't mean when you're just a child. That means throughout your entire life, right? But how many of you, let me ask you, how many of you, how many times have you allowed your mind to rehearse scenarios of negative outcomes when you're in a difficult place? You've been in a difficult spot. You've been going through a hard time. You've been going through the valley of the shadow of death. And all you can do is rehearse these scenarios of the, of the worst possible outcome. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about today? Do you know what that is? That's the enemy who hijacked your imagination. You're imagining things. You're just imagining the wrong things. You're imagining his lies being carried out in your life. We've all done it. And that's the enemy that hijacked that and perverted it and is using it for his glory instead of us using it for God's glory. When we do that, we are using our God-given imagination to imagine an outcome that is not of God. Amen? How many of you believe with all of your heart that God wants us to be healed? Yes? Is that his word? How many of you believe that God wants us to be saved? Okay. If he wants us saved, he wants us healed. All right? You can't separate the two. It was a finished work on the cross. Finished. But that's one of the things the enemy came in. Well, some people just aren't going to get it. Some people are going to have to live with sickness their whole lives. Listen, I don't understand why some people receive healing and others don't at times. I don't get that. I don't understand that. But I'm going to say it again to you. The problem is not with the Word of God. Okay? It's not. I've studied it. You don't think I get those questions all the time? I've studied it. It's not with the Word of God. We have to, to recapture the imagination that God gave us and put inside of us. To see the outcomes, to imagine the outcomes that he wants to have in our lives, that he wants to bring. Yeah. To dream and to go beyond what we can, can even ask or think. Listen, it happened throughout scripture. I want to show you. It happened throughout scripture. When the 12 spies went and scouted the promised land, what happened? 10 of them came back. Ten of them came back and, and imagined a terrible outcome, right? Ten of those spies came back and said, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. They'll squash us like grasshoppers. We can't do it. They imagined a terrible outcome, but two of the spies came back and imagined the promise coming to fruition in their lives. 
Two of them came back and imagined, we can do this, right? Had they done it yet? No. But they were imagining this happening. Here's another one. Gideon was about to go to war with his 300 against the mighty Midianite army. 120,000 Midianites, 300 Israel, Israelites. And Gideon was having trouble imagining the outcome. Who wouldn't, right? Anybody? Maybe when you're a kid, but Gideon was having trouble. So what did the Lord do? The Lord said, go down the Midianite camp, and I'm going to show you a dream because the Lord wanted to reignite his imagination that this can be done. How about this? How about when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were threatened to be thrown in the furnace? What did they say? They said, the Lord will save us. Don't you love that? The Lord will save us. I love this. I love that they said, but even if he doesn't, we will never bow down. They led with their imagination. No, I, we, I imagine the Lord's going to save us in this. He's coming through for us. I just know we will, right? Abraham, when he was walking Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him. What did, the, what did Abraham say? Abraham said he imagined the Lord will provide a sacrifice. Yeah. How about Paul and Silas when they're in jail? He said, well, they were singing praises. Yeah, they were singing praises. They were singing of the goodness of God. Do you think they're sitting in jail singing the praises to God and imagining a terrible outcome? No. They knew what God was going to do. They imagined it. They saw it, right? So I want to tell you this today. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what's going on in your life. If you will imagine that God will come through for you, if you will look at that and see that in your life, he's going to come through for you. You go, man, this is, are you sure? Like, well, let me, let me just show you something. Show you something. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Pop that up there. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, say this with me, not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for, the substance of things that you've imagined God will do in your life.